So 2 Corinthians 4.13, uh, we looked at this scripture uh, a few weeks ago, but I want to continue along these lines. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13 says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So, this verse tells us that we have the same spirit of faith that Jesus has, the same spirit of faith Abraham has, the same spirit of faith Moses has when, he, when Moses held his rod out over that water and it parted, when Abraham looked up at the stars and said, uh, so shall my descendants be, he believed God. Uh, the same spirit of faith Paul had when he went into the unknown world and started churches and so forth. We have the same spirit of faith David had when he ran at that giant. The Bible says we have the same spirit of faith. There, there are not different Holy Spirits. There's only one Holy Spirit. We have been made more than conquerors. We have been made overcomers. And we should be overcoming in this life because the greater one is on the inside of us. Uh, the spirit of faith is um, it's a quality of courage, determination, and overcoming fighting spirit and a conquering attitude. It's a never give up type of attitude. And in Christ, we have that same spirit of faith. Uh, you can write this down. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. So faith, we see from this scripture here in 2 Corinthians 4.13 that faith involves believing and speaking. It's not just believing. It's believing and speaking. Now, um, Faith is not a fad or a movement. It's a lifestyle of believing and speaking and acting on what God says. We know that faith comes by hearing the word of God. But faith is developed and faith grows by exercising it, by using it, by using our faith and releasing our faith and acting on our faith, that's how it grows. Just like, um, you know, you can eat natural food and you can eat and eat and eat and it gives you strength to some degree but you don't really get stronger unless you begin to exercise 
as well as just eat. So we can hear the word of God, we can believe uh, the word that we hear, but at some point, we're going to have to act on it. We're going to have to put our faith into motion, and we're in order for our faith to grow and increase and get stronger. Uh, so, you know, just get up in the morning and uh, just say, I'm an overcomer. Uh, I'm coming up. I'm coming out of this situation. Yes. I believe God, it will be just as he told me. Just for no other reason than you're releasing your faith. That's, that's just one way of acting on the word is by speaking it. I believe the money's coming in. I believe I'm healed. I believe things are getting better. Now, people, uh, some people will mock us and make fun of us for teaching about faith, but without faith, you cannot receive from God, you cannot please God, and you cannot overcome the world and the devil. So this faith is something that should be a, a priority for every serious Christian. Without faith, you cannot even be saved. But many people use their faith to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and then they never use it again. Right. They, they just set it, they just lay it down, and they think, well, I got my ticket to heaven, you know, and I'll just trudge through this earth uh, in the meantime uh, till, I, till I leave here and go to heaven. They, they have no revelation that... God didn't just leave us here to trudge through life. We're supposed to be overcoming. We're supposed to rule and reign in this life through Christ. And it takes faith to do that. So when people uh, use their faith to get saved and they never use it again, they will get weaker and weaker in all these other areas of life. Uh, that, that we have to deal with. We live on this earth in a fallen world and uh, we have to deal with things while we're here. We're going to be here a while. And uh, if people don't b uh, build their faith and exercise it and use it, they get weaker and then they become easy prey for the devil who roams around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And as long as they're on the earth, even though they love God, they're saved, and they'll go to heaven when they die, unfortunately, many people live a defeated life while they're here. They don't experience the abundant life here and now that Jesus came to give us. Four times in the Bible, we are told the just shall live by faith. So when people say, oh, you, you must be one of those faith people, yes, we agree with them. That's a compliment. They probably don't mean it as a compliment, We're, but we receive it as a compliment. We are believers. We are receivers. We are overcomers. Amen. We are not doubters. No. Amen? No. Hallelujah. Now let's turn and over to... Uh, shaking and going forward. Let's, 
Let's turn over to uh, Hebrews 10. And uh, Hebrews 10, verse 35. Hebrews 10, verse 35 says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence or your faith. Confidence is another word for faith, really. Cast not away your confidence or your faith because if you're in faith, you're confident that this situation is going to turn out all right. Amen? Amen. If you're in faith, you are confident this situation is going to turn out all right. The uh, NIRV version says, so don't throw away your bold faith. The um, world, I think it's a worldwide English New Testament says, so do not stop believing God now. Your faith will bring you much reward. Hallelujah. So verse 36, for we have need of patience. Now a better, more accurate translation of that word would be endurance. Endurance is really a more accurate word there. So we have need of patience or endurance that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back. Amen? Amen. We are not of them no. who draw back. Now, if, if, uh, if faith is the opposite of drawing back, then faith moves forward. If drawing back is retreating and stepping back, faith is the opposite of drawing back. So what does faith do? Faith steps out. We don't draw back. Faith does not draw back. Faith steps out. Now today I want to uh, bring out some points about faith in action. We've said that just believing, there's more to faith than just believing. Uh, one of the many ways that we can release our faith and act in faith is by speaking the Word of God. By We release our faith through words. That's, that's one of uh, the ways we release our faith. So the number one faith in action we're looking at here is Faith steps out. Now, you remember in James 2.26, it says, Faith without works or corresponding action is dead. Faith without works is dead. Mm. So, living faith as opposed to dead faith has a corresponding action that accompanies what you believe. Living faith has a corresponding action that accompanies mm -hmm. what you believe. Yes. And one of the 
corresponding actions of faith is by speaking what we believe. And that's what we just read in 2 Corinthians 4.13, which describes the spirit of faith. It says, we believe and therefore we speak. So, um, in other words, it's being a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. So faith comes by hearing, but faith is released and expressed by corresponding action according to what we believe. Uh, you remember I told you the story about the lady who came and wanted us to pray for her daughter who wanted to have another baby. And um, uh, so the lady said, I'll stand in proxy for my daughter. And, and so we prayed for her. Uh, and then I told the lady, I said, okay, now, uh, you, you know, if somebody's expecting a baby, what do they do? They start getting ready to have a baby, okay? They, they step out and they start to make preparations for a baby. So I said, you go tell your daughter to start getting ready the nursery or whatever you do to get ready to have a baby. And she said, well, I don't think she has faith to do that. And I said, okay, then you go buy some baby clothes yeah. and give them to her. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so I, um, so we, we left it like that. And a few months later, uh, she came back and said that her daughter, they had told her that she was pregnant and that she was going to have this baby. Well, then when the baby was born, they brought the baby into our meeting for us to see it. Yeah. And the lady said to me, she said, uh, when I went and bought those clothes, I didn't really believe it was going to make any difference. She said, I only did it because you told me to do it. But... She stepped out. She stepped out and she, she put corresponding action to her faith and what we prayed. So, so it's very important. We see, we're going to go on here to see, and as we go into chapter 11, we're going to see that Abraham put his, he put his faith into action in several ways. And we'll, we'll get to some, uh, some of that, but the first thing he did, God spoke to him and said, leave your father, your family, your homeland, and go to a place that I will show you. Yes. When He didn't say when he was going to show him. No. He didn't say, he didn't say, when I'll show you uh, on this certain day. I, he didn't say, I'll show you in three weeks. He just said, I'll show you. Well, Abraham, it took faith to pack up and leave his family. He had all of his livestock. He had employees. He had servants. And he's not, you know, 25 years old. He's like 75 at this yeah. point. Yeah. He is well-established and well-settled where he lived. Yeah. It took faith to pack up everything. He had to go rent moving vans, you know, uh, and pack up his stuff. And, and people saw him packing up and said, well, Abram, 
where are you, you know, what's happening? You're packing up. And he said, well, uh, I'm, I'm moving. God's told me to move. And, and, and they said, oh, well, where are you going? And he said, well, I don't know yet. God hasn't told me yet. So how did he, how did he even know what highway to get on? You know, he just had to, he just had to say, well, I just feel led today to head north. So he just had to step out and head north and just trust that God would make a course correction if necessary. I mean, this took faith. It takes faith to step out and do that. And many people want to wait and see what's going to happen. They want to see if the money's going to come in. You know, they want to see if all the circumstances lined up. They want to see the whole picture and then step out. Well, that's not faith. So, are you believing God for something? Yes. Then as far as you are able, you need to step out in that direction. Now, first of all, you need to, when, when we're talking about stepping out, faith steps out, first of all, you need to know that you have heard from God in this area. And then that he is leading you that he's and that he's leading you in this direction. No, he's after after that after that once you know you've heard from God and you know he's leading you in that direction, you don't need to know anything else. Don't ask other people what you should do because God probably has not spoken to them what he's spoken to you. Many people go around from meeting to meeting. What do you think ought to do about this? What do you think ought to do about that? God probably has not spoken to other people what he's spoken to you. And if those people have not heard from God, all you're going to get is their opinion, which is probably not any better than your opinion and maybe even worse. So as we look at the faith of these individuals in chapter 11, we're going to get into this, uh, you know, the whole of faith, the heroes of faith of the Old Testament. We're going to see that all of these people had to take steps of faith in one way or another. Now in Hebrews 11.1, 1, this is all one letter, uh, Hebrews, uh, it doesn't change the subject just because we move from chapter 10 to chapter 11. The, the subject hasn't changed. Uh, it's all one letter. So in verse 1, he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. Faith is the substance of things hoped for or expected. So the second action of faith is the first action of faith, faith steps out. The second action of faith here is faith expects. Faith is a, an attitude of expectation that what I believe is happening for me now. That's when you're in faith, there is an expectation that what you are believing for 
is happening for you now. It goes on to say, now faith is the substance or the foundation which does not move and it does not draw back of things hoped for or expected. Now this phrase hoped for in the Greek is in the continual sense. It's not a one-time hope or expectation. This is a continual expectation. The disciples' literal New Testament brings this out. It says faith is the assurance of things being hoped for. Being hoped for. So that's a con we're continually expecting this to happen. We're continually hoping for what we're believing for. Amen. So faith, you could say faith is the foundation uh, that does not move or draw back and brings into reality the things we continue to expect. That's what faith is. That's kind of my definition. The foundation that does not move or draw back and brings into reality the things we continue to expect. So, if you're in faith, you are not depressed, you are not discouraged, and you're not dreading. One of, one of the indications that you are in faith is that you, you have an excitement and an expectation about what you are believing for, that it's happening for you now. That's how you know you're in faith about something is that you have, you maintain your joy, you have an expectation and excitement that the fulfillment of what you're believing for is happening for you now. If you believe, if you believe you're healed, you're not depressed. You're not talking about uh, getting worse and you're not talking about dying if you're in faith. It says, uh, faith is the foundation of things being hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So this tells us two things. Faith is not yet, and faith is not seen. So it's not yet in the physical realm, that's why we continue to expect it, because we don't have it manifested in the physical realm yet. That's why we continue to expect it. It's not seen in the physical realm. It's not felt in the physical realm. You can't touch it yet in the physical realm. That's when faith is necessary. When, that's when you have to believe. Because you can't see it yet, you can't touch it yet, you can't feel it yet in the natural realm. Now, you've heard people say, well, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. It's too late to believe it. If you see it, you don't need to believe it. You've already got it. If you see it, you don't need to believe anymore. You've already got it. Faith is required when you can't see it. Yes, amen. You, you don't need to believe once you see it or feel it or have it. You already have it. So when you don't feel healed, 
That's why we believe we are healed. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you don't know where the money's coming from to pay the bill, you believe you have it. So we believe it before we see it, before we feel it, before we touch it. So faith is not seen and it's not yet. Now, yes, we do believe we receive in our heart when we pray. We believe we receive it when we pray, but it's not manifested yet in the physical uh, realm yet. It's not, it's not manifested yet in the physical realm. Verse 2 says, For by it faith, for by faith the elders obtained a good report. Uh, by their faith, these individuals pleased God and they received from God. It was because of their faith that they pleased God and they received from God. The message translation says, the act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. This is why their names are in this book and why they're in this chapter. These individuals had the spirit of faith. They had the, a never give up attitude that does not draw back. It continues to expect the fulfillment of what God spoke to them. And we're, we'll, we're going to look at a few of these people yeah. as we go along. We're going to look at them individually. Um, the easy to read version says, God was pleased with the people who lived a long time ago because they had faith like this. The Living Bible says, men of God in days of old were famous for their faith. I like that. We should be famous for our faith in our generation. Yeah, we, we should be famous for our faith in our families. Amen? Amen. Uh, God can be pleased with us because we have faith like these people. That's why this has been recorded, to inspire us and motivate us to follow their example of faith. And this is where we started out today in 2 Corinthians 4.13, we having the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith these Old Testament heroes had. Our faith will also set us above the mainstream crowd. Amen? Their, their faith set them apart from society in their day. The day they were living in, their faith set them apart from everybody else. And our faith can set us apart. It should set us apart from everybody else. But, you know, you, you, our faith should be evident to other people. It should be visible. You, you, can, you, can, uh, you can see faith. You know, those four men that lowered the paralyzed man through the roof to Jesus. It says Jesus saw their faith. Yes. It was evident. Yes. Uh, our, you, you can see faith in people's eyes. You can hear faith in their voice, the tone of their voice. Yeah. 
So uh, our faith should be evident, just like these people, their faith set them apart from the, the, their generation. So faith not only believes, it acts. And it, it uh, steps out and it expects. Now let's move on to verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Uh, these people's faith, these Old Testament heroes, their faith transformed and changed their families, their generation, and the time that they were living in, and it affected future generations. Our faith should be overcoming, transforming, changing our family, our business, our world, our generation, and future generations. And I believe our faith is not only affecting our families, our, our, uh, uh, us as individuals, but also future generations. Um, I just want to inject this uh, here before I forget it. You, can't, you cannot be in faith and talk the problem at the same time. You cannot be in faith and talk the problem at the same time. You can't talk about the, uh, you know, the, the bad economy or the bad report you got or your kids are going off the rails or, or whatever. Um, in Romans 4, you know, it says, Abraham considered not his own body, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. At some point, I know they struggled for a while, but at some point, Abram and, and Sarah, uh, Abraham and Sarah reached the point where they stopped talking the problem. They stopped talking about their age. They stopped talking about the fact that they had never been able to have kids. Uh, they, they started saying what God said about them. And that's when things began to turn around. Uh, you cannot be believing for your kids to turn around and talk like they're living for the devil. You, you can't be in faith and talk the problem at the same time. You can't be believing for your, your business or your job to turn around and talk about how bad it is. You can't be believing that you're healed and talk about the, you know, the bad doctor's report. We have to keep saying what God says. God calls things that are not as though they already were. Verse, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Here we see, we're going to, as we go through here, we'll look at these different individuals. We're going to see that each of these people had faith in different areas, and they expressed and released their faith in different areas. Uh, you know, we, we can be strong uh, in one area. We may be uh, strong in the area of healing and not be as strong in faith for finances or, or 
our material needs. We may be uh, strong in faith that we are born again and, uh, you know, uh, we're saved and we're going to heaven and be weak in another area. We, we may have no faith for protection, you know. Uh, so you can be strong in one area of faith, in one area of life, and not be as strong in faith in another. So our goal is to get strong in all of these areas. And in order to do that, you have to hear the preaching of the word in all these areas for faith to come, yeah. to begin with. Yeah. So in churches where they don't, preach any, anything but just born again, which is the most important. But if they never preach on all of these other areas of life, people's faith never grows. They just stay weak in those areas, and they're prone to the devil coming in and, and defeating them in those areas. So, so we see with uh, Abel here, we see Abel expressed and acted on his faith in the area of giving. Abel had giving faith. Faith gives with a willing, thankful heart. And Abel was strong in faith concerning giving. Now, I have heard it preached that the reason God approved of Abel's offering is because he brought a lamb and the reason he rejected Cain's offering is because he did not bring a lamb or a blood sacrifice. Now, there's no mention here of a sin offering which would have required a blood sacrifice. We know, um, we know that the people brought the tithe and first fruits of grains and uh, agricultural products uh, to the Lord on different occasions. You get over into Leviticus, you see all kinds of grain offerings and first fruits. And so we know that God accepted offerings of an agricultural nature. The difference between Cain and Abel's offering was faith. The difference between Cain and Abel's offering was faith. Uh, it does not say, well, let's, let's, uh, let's go back there uh, for a moment to Genesis 4. Let's go back there and just uh, quickly, it's just two or three verses, and just quickly uh, look at that. Genesis 4, verse uh, 1 to 4. It says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In other words, Cain was a farmer. Uh, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. 
Now, it does not say that Cain brought the first or the best. It just says he brought an offering. Abel, it says, brought the firstlings of the flock and the fat thereof. In other words, he brought the best that he could at the time. Uh, Abel went out and he looked over his flock of sheep to decide which one he was going to bring to the Lord. You can tell he put some time in this, okay? He put some time and, and thought into what he was going to bring to the Lord. So he went out to his flock, he inspected, he looked all around, uh, inspecting them all, looking for the best one. And he looked at Snowball, and he looked at Sally, and he looked at Blackie, and he looked at all the different sheep, and then he saw Muffin. And Muffin was the prettiest, cleanest, whitest, friendliest sheep of all of them. Muffin was Abel's favorite. I mean, he liked all of them, but, but Muffin was the top one. And when, when he saw Muffin, he said, Muffin, you're the one that I'm going to bring to the Lord. So Abel brought the cleanest, widest, friendliest uh, sheep to the Lord. And the Lord saw his offering, and he said, Abel, you brought me muffin. You brought me your favorite sheep. And he, he's your favorite sheep, and he's your best. That's the one that you brought me. And it wasn't just the fact that Abel brought uh, his best sheep to God. God saw his heart and his faith, and that's what touched God. God saw that he had put a lot into this, and he, he had an open heart, to give, uh, and his faith and his heart to give God the best that he could, that's what touched God, that's what made his offering acceptable. Now this story is a good example of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9-7, where it says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And this story about Cain and Abel really sums up, this verse really sums up the story of Cain and Abel. Abel had giving faith. Um, it takes faith to give because the natural tendency of the flesh is to hang on to it. Mm -hmm. So it takes faith to, to, to give. Uh, especially, you know, your substance, you've, you've, you've worked hard for this, you've put in time and energy, this represents your life. So your natural tendency is to want to hold on. So it takes faith to give. Abel, he cheerfully brought the best he could. He offered it with a willing 
thankful, open heart toward God. It was not grudging. It was not grudging as, as we see in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He gave according as he purposed in his heart. He gave cheerfully and not grudgingly. Um, he brought his offering in faith. In contrast, Cain did not bring the best he could have. He could have done better. He could have brought the best. But what he did give, it was not in faith. He did not give it in faith. What he brought, he brought it grudgingly and of necessity. He saw Abel's, Abel's given something, other people are given, I better give something. I better get something together here the last minute. He put no fault into this in advance. He saw other people are given, I better get busy here, I better get something together and bring it to God. So he just gathered up some leftovers at the last minute, his heart wasn't really in it, and uh, he was not willing, he was not thankful, and he was not cheerful about it. There was no faith in it, and he brought it to God and said, here God, you can have this, and God said, I don't want it. And it made Cain furious at God. He was furious at God, he had a temper tantrum, he threw a temper tantrum and stuck his lip out like a three-year-old. Are we seeing any signs of faith in Cain and his behavior and his offering? No, we don't see any signs of faith at all. Uh, this, this led to, he was so furious and, and Abel's faith exposed his unbelief and his grudging, unwilling heart to give. It made him so mad. Cain did not go from being a godly man one minute to a murderer the next minute. His heart was not right to begin with. His heart was not right with God to begin with, and this offering just exposed what was already in his heart, and he killed his own brother over this. Let's go on to um, verse 4 in Hebrews 11, verse 4. Oh, that's where we are. Uh, yeah, it goes on to say, talking about Abel's offering, God testifying of his gifts. This so touched God. Abel's faith and his heart so touched God, God testified about his offering. People, if people think that their faith and their offerings don't matter, they're wrong. God testified about Abel's faith. It so impressed him that God had this recorded as a testimony of faith to all future generations. The easy to read version says, but Abel offered a better sacrifice to God because he had faith. That was the difference, really, in the two offerings. It goes on to say, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. 
So Abel was killed by Cain, probably at a young age, but his faith and his offering are still speaking to us today. 6,000 years later, we're still talking about Abel's offering. So, did you know our faith and our offerings could affect future generations? And God could testify about it. I think that's amazing. Amen. Verse 5. By faith, we're going to notice as we go through here. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. We're going to see all through this chapter. It's by faith. So it must be important. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, let's just uh, briefly turn back. You were there in Genesis 4. Just turn the page to Genesis 5, and we'll just uh, read this account of Enoch. Um uh, We've just seen that Abel had giving faith, and his faith was expressed in the area of giving. Here in Genesis 5, uh, verse 21, it says, And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, um, Enoch was a prophet along with Noah, and are the only godly men mentioned in Seth's line. Enoch and Noah are the only godly men mentioned in Seth's line. Enoch is mentioned five times uh, in five books of the Bible. And in Jude 14, Jude writes about Enoch. He says, Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these sayings. Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Enoch was such an accurate prophet, and, and he so accurately heard from God and was able to see in the future. He prophetically saw the second coming of Christ, wow. which Jude records in Jude 14. It says, uh, there in Genesis 5, Enoch, I think it's verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was the first to be raptured, or to be uh, translated. Mm. He, he did not physically die. He never physically died. 
So what kind of faith did Enoch have? How, how was his faith demonstrated and expressed? He had fellowship with God faith. He, he had fellowship faith. Uh, he fellowshiped with God and walked so closely with God that one day he just got so far out there, he just didn't ever come back. And um, it says in verse 5, Hebrews eleven five. 5, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Um, uh, it says uh, he was not. By faith, let me start all over. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. The Passion Translation says, before he was translated to the heavenly realm, he had the reputation of pleasing God where it says he was not. Uh, it, that means that people made an intense as investigation. They, they put out a search for Enoch and they could not find him because he had been translated. God just took him. He, got, he fellowshiped and walked with God so closely. He had, uh, and, and apparently uh, God had spoken to him that he would not physically die. And he held on to that promise so, um, uh, you know, he stood so strong for that promise that um, he had faith that he would not die. He had faith in that area that he was not physically gonna, going to die. He stood by that word from God. Uh, it says... Uh, before his translation, he had this testimony. So this word testimony indicates that Enoch had personally heard from God that he would not see death. Um, the contemporary English version brings this out. It says, Enoch had faith and did not die. So he had faith in God's word that he was not going to physically die. That, that God, he would just fellowship so closely with God that God would just take him and he wouldn't come back. It says he pleased God and God took him up to heaven. This is why his body was never found. Now the word testimony here is also where we get the word martyr. And a martyr is one who suffers unjustly for what he believes. So if Enoch announced to other people that he was never going to die, it's likely that the skeptics and the doubters in the community and his neighbors probably mocked him and thought he was crazy. They, they probably just thought this was a crazy old man. So he probably suffered some persecution for his courage and determination to fight for the manifestation of the promise. But he did not draw back. Amen? Amen. He stood in faith with a never give up attitude for that word 
and he received it. Enoch was promised he would be translated and not die, and he received it. So are we willing to suffer some persecution in order to stand for the physical manifestation of what we're believing for? What has God promised you? Healing, your kids coming back to God, a better job, an increase in finance. Are you willing to suffer a little persecution in order to stand for the physical manifestation of what you're believing for? So let's just recap what, what uh, faith looks like in the area of, of these individuals in Hebrews 11. We've seen that faith steps out. Faith must have a corresponding action to it. So in the area, say for example, in the area of healing, where you can step out. That's why when we pray for people for healing, we'll say, now do something that you couldn't do before. That's putting some corresponding action to your faith. Uh, step out and do something you could not do before. Faith continues to expect. It's happening for me now. Faith is a giver. So God might lead you to sow a seed toward the manifestation of the promise you're believing for. I've done this many times and I've seen it personally work. When I had my first car here, um, it was a new car and I wanted it paid off quickly. And I uh, uh, got Jesse Duplantis's uh, magazine, a uh, partner with him, and uh, I saw that he was believing God for a new airplane. So because I wanted to pay my car off quickly, uh, I decided I would sow a significant seed toward him getting his airplane and believing that my car would be paid off quickly. So that's what I did. I sowed a seed toward, and it was a pretty big seed for me at the time, I sowed that seed toward his airplane, and within nine months, my car was totally, completely paid off. Someone gave me the money to totally, completely pay my car off. So the, the moral to that story is, what you make happen for someone else God will make happen for you. So if you will align yourself with God's word and not draw back, but continue to move forward in faith, payday is coming. Amen? Amen.